0: Hello and welcome to the Voices Amplify takeover of Radioactive. Radioactive, a show that plugs you into the community. I'm Amy Kramer, a staff writer at The Globe, Salt Lake Community College's own student-run newspaper. Stick around and stay tuned as we share timely stories, brought to you by a new wave of student journalists. Before we dig into our show, we at Slick and Radioactive want to acknowledge that we are all collectively on Native American shared territory of the Ghoshute, Navajo, Paiute, Shoshone and Ute people. We honor the original ancestors and descendants of this land and also offer respect to their tribal communities. We acknowledge this history to cultivate respect and advocate with our indigenous communities and students who are connected to this land. Later tonight, I will be speaking with fellow Voices Amplified team member and Globe staff writer, Alexi Zollinger, and Associate Professor Matt Merkel, as they detail the impact seasonal affective disorder is making in the lives of college students. First up, we will be talking with Jan Meggs, an advisor in Slick's college recruitment office. Jan works to bring talent into the school in many forms, one including gifted athletes. This leads into our second guest, Brian Pivorado, a SLIC alumnus and two-time Olympic speed skater, first competing in 2018 and just recently in Beijing's 2022 Winter Olympic Games. Ryan and Jan, thank you for taking the time to be here with us tonight. Thank you, it's nice to be here.
1: You too. it's great to be here too.
0: Before we begin, would you each take a moment to introduce yourselves to our listeners? Um, Jan, why don't you go first and share what your role is here at Salt Lake Community College? Thanks, Amy.
2: I'm Jan Meggs, you're right. I'm an admissions advisor for Salt Lake Community College. I've been at the college for about seven years, working with students, trying to help them find their success. And then recently when the college entered into an agreement with the US Speed Skating Association, I became the coordinator of that pilot program. So Ryan and I have talked before.
0: Thanks for that, Jan. And uh, Ryan, you're originally from Michigan. Could you please share what brought you to Salt Lake and your road to the Olympics?
1: Uh, yeah. So um, the uh, national team trains out in Salt Lake City and yeah. just through a long journey of many states and clubs, I uh, ended up out here to in 2013. And then have been here since then. Yeah.
0: Um, speed skating is an intense and fast-paced sport. Can you explain the difference between long and short track and what led you to choose short track?
1: So I always began with short track. Um mm-hmm. that's where I began in Connecticut. And the differences is, is that short track is a lot more crazy and a lot more hectic. Um long track, it's like it's older than our sport, man, it's just two people racing against a clock um, and racing against each other. But with short Mm -hmm. track, there's, you can have four of the people in line with you, five, six. I mean, in the 1500A final in Beijing 22, there were 10 people in the same race. So a lot of crashes happen, a lot of craziness happens, and it's an awesome awesome sport.
0: Oh, very cool. Um, Jan, what's the relationship between Slick and the U.S. Olympic team? How did this relationship come to be? You said it was recently? In 2018, Mm -hmm. the college and and the speed skating association
2: got together, created this partnership where we would do their advertising on our campus. We could advertise on their tracks and we would offer all athletes training for the Olympics free tuition. Wow. They could continue their classes while in training and traveling. Um, Since 2018, we've had 38 Olympic or excuse me, 38 speed skating athletes take classes. So there's a great partnership between Samantha Carroll, their manager and Salt Lake Community College and the tuition waiver office, all to make sure that when skaters indicate an interest, we help them all along the way. Mm -hmm. They're doing other things at the same time. I've had calls from foreign countries before and we've exchanged emails at you know at midnight when skaters are traveling so we help them be successful and and
0: with the free tuition that's great and um Ryan is short track a common starting point for most speed skaters
1: so yeah it is um because there, are most of the clubs happen at like local ho- local ice rinks mm-hmm. so it'll like share ice time with hockey and figure skating and so there are more uh short track clubs in the us and because uh there's not as many long track ovals there i think there's four that are functional and are of use mm-hmm. so just having like a local club you like, can go to your like, local ice rink and maybe it'll be a short track Club, it makes it a lot easier for uh, kids to, to hop into the sport.
0: It's a high speed activity. And um, is that part of why it's more of an exciting draw than a longer track?
1: Uh, um I Possibly. I think there's an age where people, and when you get into the sport, they see what long track is, and maybe they want to make the switch. Um, but as of the draw, I think the draw is definitely more focused towards short track mm-hmm. uh, just because of how, how more accessible it is.
0: Uh, being a contender in the Olympics may seem like a far off and unattainable goal for those who may actually have a shot at it. And students attend Slick for a multitude of reasons, one being that it's considerably more affordable compared to other universities and especially for students who need to work while studying. As a Slick alumni and Olympian, how can you put the fundraising process and what that's like into perspective for those who may only see a dollar sign that they are unable to pay?
1: Uh, yeah, there's always sacrifices that you need to make in order to like get to the Olympics or get to um, like college. and think like, there's it just kind of weigh in what you're going to do. Um, I know with Slick uh, and thanks to Jan, we've been able to like, agree that I can go to get my uh, education for free and mm-hmm. stuff paid for. I have like minimal costs. Training with the national team, I skate for free, and a lot of things are paid for. Um, I don't have much of an income, but a lot of things for me are paid for, and so having all that, having all that around me, and having that benefit has really helped me focus to get to where I am today.
0: And when was it that you saw Olympics as a realistic goal for yourself?
1: Uh, I'd say at the 2014 Olympic trials, Mm -hmm. um, I somehow made, I made top 16 with the time trial. I, in my head after the first day, I was like, you know what? Maybe I can actually like make this team. Um, it didn't happen, (laughs) ended up getting like 12th or something. But then the next four years came around. um, I put all the work I put into and sacrifices I made. Like I definitely had it as a goal after 2014. um, And I achieved that goal in 2018.
0: And in your now uh, two-times Olympics experience, what is it that you can speak on as something you need to have or need to do in order to be your best self on the ice?
1: Uh, You really need to be focused and grounded with um, your goals and your work ethic, I think. Uh, Because a lot of people can look up of like, oh, I want to be an Olympian. But when you see that overarching goal and you see all the steps that you need to make to make that happen, it can look a lot more uh, intimidating than just when you had that thought. Um, Can you... You, when you look at the steps and I think looking at the steps and looking at the overarching goal is definitely the best way to not lose your focus, not lose your sight of what you want to be.
0: Mm-hmm. And when you previously mentioned the sacrifices you had to make, excuse me, to make um, your goals a reality, uh, can you paint a picture of what those look like?
1: Well, I can tell you what I went through. Um, so... When I first started the sport, I stopped going to public school. I ended up going to online school to finish up high school. I moved away from my family at, what was it, 15 or 16, to a training program in Pittsburgh. Mm-hmm. Um, I, and then fast forward a few years, I actually declined an invitation from the national team to go train with, in Korea with a coach that um i was comfortable training with so um i've had to i put my education on hold uh Mm -hmm. to focus on this i've put my life on hold um there's i all those i hopefully can paint a good picture
0: Mm -hmm. were you homesick
1: uh yeah Mm -hmm. i I was definitely, definitely homesick uh for two years i was training in korea
0: yeah. What did you miss most?
1: Oh, uh, I think just like the food. Yeah. <laughs> like I, I love Korean food, don't get me wrong. But uh, um having just like nice home cooked meal was mm-hmm. and just being home in my own country, that's what I really missed.
0: Yeah. There's nothing better than that. Um, Jan, I would like to ask this question for you. How did Slick establish itself as a place to foster Olympic talent? Um And what are things that Slick does to promote Olympic talent and help them perform to the best of their ability?
2: Thanks. Salt Lake community college has always been a community college. And so offering people who are like Brian from out of state, dropped into a foreign city and they want to continue their schooling. That was the next best thing we could do is offer free tuition. Mm -hmm. So we have a partnership with them, you know, we offer some of the benefits, our online programs, individual programs, as well as complete degrees can be completed online. Student, the skaters have taken classes on campus when they're in town. We've used the skaters in, you know, photographic opportunities. We have their pictures up around campus. Um, we have a great picture of Aaron and Kristen and about six other skaters on, mm-hmm. in the student center. And so we hope to have her sign that photo one day. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. We, we try to exchange roles and we try to support them. Then there's the skaters have access to all of our resources, tutoring, certainly the libraries, online assistance for any of their classes.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: So we want to see them succeed with their education as well as with their skating.
0: Yeah. Um, this As Jan mentioned, Aaron, uh, Ryan, you shared a touching tribute to three of your female counterparts on Instagram, all who are also Slick alumni. And in part, you wrote, these ladies right here showed everyone that they are capable of competing with and taking over the world. The U.S. was the only country to have all three women in the finals what does it mean to you to share the stage with women who are breaking barriers in this way? And for Erin Jackson, who is the first black woman to win an Olympic gold medal in speed skating.
1: Uh, I think it just comes down to pride and honor. Um, I mean, I trained separately from Erin, but for the girls, on, the women on my team um, I've been with them for many years now. And I've seen the progress I've seen what they've done And to see them uh, show that they are competitive with the top in the world, like Mm -hmm. it really made me happy and proud of what they accomplished.
0: Yeah, especially in the winter sports, Utah is a great place to train. And people kind of take us for granted sometimes. Little Utah, but we're high up there. (laughs) Mm. And um, Jan, if you could follow up, what does this historic moment mean for Slick? Oh, my goodness. (laughs) That was so exciting to know.
2: First of all, we've seen these skaters and students during their World Cup competitions at the Oval here in town. We've watched them as they we've just first had small conversations and then the conversations got bigger. And then to know how many were traveling and going to be in the Olympics, we felt very pride, prideful. Um, so we've tried to certainly spread the word that our students were there mm-hmm. so that, you know, Salt Lake Community College community could back them up and watch and cheer for them. So we hope to, as they all arrive back in town and are one time again together, we hope to get together for a photo and, you know, a celebration on campus.
3: Mm-hmm. Or maybe <laughs>
2: we should, you know, put skates uh, on our letters out in the front of the college, but.
0: We're very proud of everybody. Uh, Ryan, um, what, if any, are some of the worst intr- injuries you've experienced in preparing for or contending in an event? And what are some of the hardest setbacks you've faced in your sporting experience?
1: Uh, yeah, so I got my worst injury I had was getting hot on my left ankle, like just above the bone. Luckily, there was no serious like, uh, nothing serious happened. It was just like a Nick, but it took me out, um, for a few weeks right before one of our, um, our first major competition of the year that picks the world cup team. Mm-hmm. And so that made me f- extremely weak for that competition. And I didn't make the team and that actually led into my biggest setback, which was like me being very depressed mm-hmm. and, um, very like, I don't know. I was all- already behind uh, my team physically and having that happen to me just caused me to be even more behind. And I spent that entire year just trying to get back to myself and back to a state where I felt comfortable racing at my best.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, and how did preparation for the Winter Games change for you under COVID 19 restrictions? And how did competing in Beijing differ from the 2018 Pyeongchang Olympics?
1: So with COVID, um, It was very, we started out like when it all happened and when it hit hit Utah, we kind of shut down for a few weeks to really gather ourselves. Our medical staff uh, implemented a procedure to follow by and we were were allowed to train, but it was very different than before. Mm
3: -hmm. So it was
1: like only half the team on the ice at a time uh certain time slots in our weight room so it wasn't too many people masks always on constantly using hand sanitizer sanitizing everything we do um it gradually uh we with understanding of COVID happened uh, we loosened up the restrictions we were allowed to train together as a team even with masks we were, were allowed to like be in a pack instead of being far apart um so even though it didn't impact a lot past like the summertime uh, and we were able to really get back to normal training pretty fast and then for the other question um, I didn't compete in 2018 I was the alternate and I was really uh, hoping I was being able to compete so I can't really speak much on that but Mm -hmm for getting back and at this year's games, being able to represent the U S at that stage was just like the best feeling in the world for me. Um, you know, I, I, it was a lot of, that was definitely a highlight of my career of just stepping on the ice and you know, wearing an Olympic suit wearing, like looking at the Olympic rings everywhere, wearing the USA on my back.
4: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. I'm sure that's a great feeling. And I can't imagine a scenario where there's more pressure on you to show up with your A-game every day than being in the Olympics. You have to be really committed and maintain a high belief in yourself to have the stamina and ability to put in the hours of practice needed to compete at such a high level. Is there a motto that you live by to keep yourself reassured and grounded?
1: Yes. Um, It's my favorite quote, and it's in my favorite poem called If by Rudyard Kipling. And I may butcher it, but... It's um, if you can face triumph and disaster and treat those two imposters just the same, uh, kind of taken from like you need. It's overall the poems about um like being the bet the best man you can, but to do one thing you need to do the polar opposite of it, and it's impossible to do that. Mm-hmm. So I think if having that mind of like um of taking triumph and disaster and just making sure like those two things will happen in my career and in life, it kind of, it humbles me a little bit and keeps everything into a really good perspective.
0: And do you have any future plans for the Olympics for 2026?
1: Uh, no, I'm retiring after this season. So we'll see what happens. Um, mm-hmm. but as of right now, I'm finished mm-hmm. with the sport and I'm going to cheer the U S on for my coach.
0: So what's next for you then?
1: Uh, just finishing up school. Um, I've got a wedding. We've got to plan out for next year.
4: Congratulations. Just, thank you.
1: <laughs> and just taking steps to live a very different life.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh, knowing that this was your last Olympics, does it uh, give you a more of a sense of community knowing that you had so many other uh, slick classmates and alumni that were a part of this?
1: It does, um, because I think a lot of my team, uh, both short track and long track, a lot of them do have attended Slick and have attended um, that area. So knowing that we've all gone there together and been somewhere similar, it really is a great sense of community.
0: Mm -hmm. And now as a retired Olympic speed skater, what are you planning to study?
1: (laughs) Um. Computer science and information systems like computers, so I want to see what I can do with them.
0: Nice. Coming up next, we are going to learn about what it is like for those who experience seasonal depression throughout these cold and dreary months. In particular, how seasonal affective disorder affects our fellow college students and the slick resources available to help them get through that winter blues. Thank you so much, Ryan Pivarato, for giving us an inside look into what it is really like to be an Olympic athlete and for sharing with us the steps it takes to make it a relatable reality. And also Jan for showing us why student athletes are in a good place to excel here at Slick. Before we let you go, are there any websites or extended resources you would like to plug for our listeners? Ryan, why don't you go first?
1: Uh, just my Instagram, uh, Ryan Peferado. That's my main social media handle. I am on Twitter trying to build that a little bit.
0: And Jan, what about you?
2: Well, we're happy to invite everyone in the community to certainly cheer on the athletes and the skaters. I would recommend (laughs) slcc.edu. Yeah. So, because with with all the online programs, 120 different options, there's something for everybody here.
0: And one last thing, Ryan, is there a particular hype song that you played on repeat during your training sessions?
1: I mean, I've struggled with this. I don't know how you listen to music. Um, But if I just am at home, like, vibing, I listen to, like, lo-fi music. Mm -hmm. And uh, one I listen to is Mirage by 9
0: And Jan, is there a song that you're loving at the moment? Well, thinking of the Olympics and slick speed skaters, I would choose
1: We
2: Are Champions to listen to.
0: (laughs) Well, thank you both. Thank you, Ryan and Jan, for being a part of our show. We'll see all of those um, links also in the show notes for anyone who's interested to follow up. You are listening to the student takeover of Radioactive in partnership with Amplify Utah and The Globe, Salt Lake Community College's student-run newspaper, right here on KRCL. Coming up next, we are going to learn about what it is like for those who experience seasonal depression throughout these cold and dreary months, in particular how seasonal affective disorder affects our fellow college students and the slick resources available to help them get through their winter blues. And here is Ryan's lo-fi song pick. This is Mirage by Namano, right here on KRCL Voices Amplified.
2: One in four Utahns has a criminal record. If you or someone you know needs help with the expungement process, visit cleanslateutah.org, a new nonprofit working to ensure that Utahns don't miss out on opportunities because of their past.
3: International Women's Day is Tuesday, March 8th, and we're celebrating by amplifying fem voices from 6 a.m. to 7 p.m. KRCL's women DJs will all be on air one hour at a time, bringing you songs, stories, and voices from women worldwide and from right here in our own community. Tune in and turn up. International Women's Day on KRCL. Tuesday, March 8th, 6 a.m. to 7 p.m. Details at krcl.org. The ladies
2: will kick it, the it is wicked. Those that don't know how to be pros get evicted.
0: Welcome back to the Voices Amplified Takeover of Radioactive. I'm Amy Kramer, a staff writer at the Globe. Slick's own student-run newspaper and your host tonight as we share diverse stories from the community in partnership with KRCL and Amplify Utah. Now we have Alexi Zollinger, a fellow Voices Amplified contributor and staff writer of The Globe. She will be sharing her thoughts and a behind-the-scenes look on a recent story she wrote called "Slick Counselor Offers Insight into Seasonal Affective Disorder. Seasonal Affective Disorder is also referred to as cabin fever as it is most common during the winter months, when spending time indoors for extensive periods is more common and isolation is difficult to be avoided. Accompanying Alexi is our second guest, Associate Professor of Journalism and Digital Media, Matt Merkel. Professor Merkel was the first Slick educator to implement a mental health policy in his classes, which has led other teachers to follow his lead and do the same. Alexi and Professor Merkel, thank you both for being with us tonight. Thank you.
5: Thank you. Great to be here.
0: Starting with Alexi, thank you so much for being a part of the show once again. You are probably uh, one of the most frequent guests on Voices Amplified this far. Yeah, you're welcome. Um, would you each take a moment to introduce yourself? And Alexi, why don't you go first? How is it that you became interested in writing on this topic of seasonal affective disorder?
6: Um. Well, you just, I mean, you did a pretty good job of introducing me. I'm also <laughs> work for the Globe and in this production course on KRCL but the story I did for The Globe I was interested in writing about this because it was something that I'd heard from a lot of people in my life friends and family Um, specifically like friends of mine who are also attending school that it was just a lot harder to get into the swing of things during the spring semester and a lot of people quoted that or just said that that was because it seems like winter kind of drags on Mm -hmm. well into the spring semester So I think there's I was curious, mainly like I'd heard about seasonal affective disorder um, in my own life and in like my family's lives. And I was curious if that had any correlation to the semester and if it did, how is it affecting academic performance?
0: Mm -hmm. And also, I think fall semester, there's a, a few more breaks and vacations to look forward to, like Thanksgiving or Christmas, and it breaks the semester up more. Mm-hmm. In your globe article you mentioned that the counselor you spoke with shared just how disruptive SAD really is as it functions no differently than a case of clinical depression would. Could you share a little bit more of that conversation and what you learned?
6: Yeah. Um so SAD seasonal affective disorder is clinically a form of depression. Mm-hmm. So what he said was basically, you know, if it is seasonal affective disorder, it does have to, part of that diagnosis is that it is disruptive. It's not a form, it's, it's not a, like a temporary form of sadness or it's an extended period of depression that is disrupting your ability to go to school like you normally would or eat regularly or get enough sleep. You feel tired. You're isolating. It; those things are um, common symptoms of depression. So, I guess it is interesting. I mean, there is a thin line to cross of when it is depression, when it's seasonal. But when it is mm-hmm. seasonal, it's sort of very relevant to the sunshine and to the mm-hmm. vitamin D and what it does for your body. So, I guess that is functions the same as a depression, but it has a direct correlation because it is a physical and mental reaction to the weather and to the lack of sunlight.
0: Mm -hmm. And um, you quote that counselor in your article um, in mentioning regular sensory triggers. Can you share some examples of what those are and um, how not having them is detrimental?
6: Yeah, that was actually one of my favorite um, quotes from him was saying that Winter and some of the like January, February, March months can be a bit of sensory deprivation, which I Mm -hmm. thought was really interesting when he explained it. He basically said, you're lacking a lot of regular triggers like smells. He referred to basically in the summer, people are having cookouts or barbecues or there's like, you know, the sounds of people having people over. There's something that is so important about hearing and seeing other people And especially like being somewhere like a lively neighborhood is so important for your psyche, Mm -hmm. just because that isolation can be so detrimental. So not like not hearing people because everyone's inside or not like you don't see the normal bloom that you would see, like the greens of trees or the pinks of flowers or just things that really catch your attention and hit your sense, your senses. Um, it can be a little claustrophobic without those mm-hmm. things. So,
3: mm-hmm.
6: yeah, I thought that was interesting.
0: And the counselor I'm quoting, the counselor that you spoke with, his name is Scott Cadera. Is that right? Mm-hmm. The uh, UTA or the Utah Transit Authority promoted free fare February last month in an attempt to cut back on the inversion so often seen at this time of year. To either uh, Lexi or Professor Merkel, would it be fair to say that Utahns have a heightened case of SAD in the winter months due to this inversion?
5: You know, I, I am not a, mm-hmm. you know, mental health clinician or researcher, um, but anecdotally, as someone who's, you know, lived in this state now for more than a decade, mm-hmm. um, you know, I don't know as it's the chemical responses necessarily of the inversion per se, Um, I think that's probably a component to it, but, but just the, you know, almost kind of piggybacking off of what Alexi was saying was there's a visual response too, right. The, the Valley changes, the clear skies go away, gets Mm -hmm. this kind of settled kind of flat gray. Um, You know, as a person who teaches, you know, video production and television, I'm a very visual person. I have been for, All of my professional and academic career. And right. We, we don't, we're not drawn visually to flat images. Right. Um, And, and I think that does play with us, right. That, that grayness, that dreariness, um, the longer an inversion sticks around, the longer those effects can kind of take place, take hold the fact in combination that they're often in winter months, the fact that we're often isolated or not as maybe active or going out that we would in a state that's beautiful like this in the summer Mm -hmm. months. I think that's a, I think that's a strong attractor um, for that. Um, But I think the other thing too is, is, you know, there needs to be a call in our legislators and mental health professionals have been calling this for years, that there needs to be, Um, more money put towards these types of studies, Mm -hmm. not just in how it's affecting mental illness, but there's, you know, links to suicide and those other things for the health and wellness of our state.
0: Mm -hmm. And Alexi, do you have anything you'd like to add to that? Um, Yeah, I actually asked Scott Kader about this. And
6: he said that he doesn't know that for sure. But I was just going to say in my own life, I think that not only as uh, Professor Merkel noted, is it just, it feels gray, but it's also like a danger to your health. So on Mm -hmm. top of everything feels nasty, it looks nasty, Mm -hmm. you're also like, it's harder to breathe, it's burning your eyes. So it's kind of just accumulation of a bad environment that kind of leaves you feeling, I'm sure, not great. So Mm -hmm. I think a part of that could be seasonal depression. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Um, and Professor Merkel in Alexi's piece, she included a report detailing that about 5% of adults suffer from SAD each year. Um, would you say that this goes along with what you have seen among your own students? And was it in recognizing this phenomena that you were influenced to add a mental health policy to your syllabus?
5: Yeah, that's a great question. Um, You know, I, I know the number you quoted there is 5% Mm -hmm. just, and again, I'm not a mental health researcher or clinician, but that 5% number feels extremely conservative to me. Um, You know, especially during the months, I would say among my, uh, among my students during the course of a semester, I would say that number is probably closer to the 15 or 20 percent mark, at least for oh, wow. me anecdotally kind of observing that. Um, you know, it's it's a real issue. Seasonal effective was part of that. The other part was, you know, just the just the pandemic, right? Was part of it. Um, I mean, I know we're going out on the great airwaves at KRCL right now, but also. You know, we're kind of doing this in recording kind of in a Zoom sequence as well, right? We get that Brady Bunch effect Mm -hmm. where we just see these people in boxes and they kind of move in and move out of the frame. Um, Part of the impetus was, you know, I, I started to look at some research that was coming out of Penn State University. Penn State is one of uh, of a very few institutions around the country, at least academic institutions, that has actually a center for collegiate mental health, and they looked at forty three thousand students that came into about one hundred and thirty seven counseling centers at higher education institutions across the country. Seventy two percent. Um, reported that they had negative effects um, on their mental health with the pandemic. And these things started to reveal themselves to me in, in ways like there was just a, a sluggishness motivation. Um, it wasn't even necessarily getting to a place or getting to a meeting or a class on time. It was almost a, I'll, I'll term it in a, in a way that I call a general malaise. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, There was just, everybody was kind of just really grinding it out, right? You could tell that there were students that really were just hanging by a thread. Um, You know, and of those 72% that I mentioned that reported mental health issues, you know, 67% said that many of that resulted for them in loneliness or isolation. So, you know, it was a huge kind of turning point for me. You know, where they mentioned the top four things were, were stress, social isolation, general anxiety, and, and motivation. Um, you know, so that's one of the things that led me to really kind of say any mental health counselor will tell you the first step in dealing with mental health is destigmatizing it and, and allowing a person to acknowledge it safely, right? Mm-hmm um so you know really what i wanted to do was give students a space where they could say destigmatize it it's okay mm-hmm. it's okay that you're not feeling well it's okay that you're mentally not in a space that's all right now the next question is is how do we help you mm-hmm. right and and even just the ability to say i can't do today Right. Right. Um uh you know it's like my wife says no is a complete sentence. Sometimes we need to step back, right? Uh, to to evaluate ourselves, to evaluate ourselves um to to get resources to tap into some, you know, things to help us. And and that's really what kind of um, you know, kind of led me to to that kind of process there. Now the good news is is Boston University did a study. The bad news is is mental health's still increasing um, you know, among college students. Mm -hmm. But the good news is, is, is the stigma is starting to fade around that people are being more open, more talkative about mental health issues, about where they're sitting mentally. And 94% of those students polled said they wouldn't judge another person for seeking out help for mental health. So I think there's, there's always that gray cloud, right? It's mental health. we got to get through it. But I think it's important to note those silver linings that we're really trying to destigmatize it so we can really get to the core of a person's mental health and really help them solve problems, both not just to be successful at school, but to really manage life, mm-hmm. right? Our, our students are very unique in that respect here at SLCC.
0: And how have you noticed that other teachers have picked up your mental health policy and have <laughs> been successful?
5: You know, that's a great question, but let me be totally honest here for a minute. I did not receive a directive for this from administration. I just wanted to help. Mm-hmm. The fact that other faculty are moding it for those things is is no credit to me to be honest with you, I, I really think it's a credit to our entire faculty that they're they're also seeing this problem and they're really wanting to help their students to tap mm-hmm. into resources. So I'm in support. I, I just kind of, I don't even feel like I'm an impetus. I just mm-hmm. really wanted to get this conversation started because I really care about the success of our students and even more so now, because, you know, now as we're moving on the pandemic, Russia and Ukraine are bringing some feelings of anxiety, right? Coming out of this and socialization. So there's still a lot of work to do here. So, you know, I'm, I'm willing to do my part.
0: Mm-hmm. And Alexi, in your reporting, what are some of the ways that you've learned people can detect the symptoms of seasonal affective disorder and um, what independent or slick resources are available to them in light of their situation?
6: Um. So what I heard from uh, Scott Kadera when I interviewed him was that the most important uh, thing to do for yourself in any mental health scenario is to check in on yourself and mm-hmm. make sure that you're feeling okay and you're feeling normal and make sure that you're aware of your well-being. And then of course the sad treat or sad treatment would be a light box or just try to get out in the sun as much as you can and spend some time outside.
0: Thank you to my guests, Alexi Zollinger and Professor Matt Merkel, for educating us on the prevalence of seasonal affective disorder and how those experiencing it can recognize it and find help cater to them. For more information, follow the show notes on the KRCL app or at krcl.org to read Alexi's story in the globe and access other seasonal affective disorder related resources. Before I let you both go, is there a song that you each are loving at the moment? Alexi, I'll have you go first. Um, I
6: chose Something Soon by Car Seat Headrest because it's kind of just about this frustration. And to me, a lot of depression that I've experienced is also a lot of irritability and anger. So it's a good song to just kind of like let
0: it out. Mm -hmm. And Professor Merkel, is there a song that you've been playing on repeat lately? (laughs)
5: <laughs> my kids are going to love this. Cause they're about ready to kill me. I've turned it on so much, but um, it's meet me at our spot by the anxiety. Um, I know. I, right. And it's great that it's a, 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 we're talking about mental health and the band name is Ed, the anxiety. Um, but it actually is a really hopeful song. It, it's, you know, people, it's about people reconnecting. It's about people getting together. And I think, you know, right now, what we could all use a little dose of is some hope and music is a Fantastic medium for that, right?
3: Right.
0: Uh, Thank you both Professor Merkel and Alexi for being part of our show tonight.
5: Thank you for having us.
0: This is Alexi's song, Car Seat Headrest, Something Soon on KRCL Voices Amplified.
2: Recently on Radioactive.
3: So I have studied these structures in the north arm of the lake and they are dead. That's
2: Bonnie Baxter, director of the Great Salt Lake Institute at Westminster College.
3: They, they uh, no are actively precipitating. They're not doing photosynthesis. So, um, when we get, we know that when we get to a certain salinity, they will die because the salinity of the North Arm is around 30%. Now the ocean is 3.4. So that's pretty wow. darn salty, right? So, um, the, the South Arm right now is at about 14%, and that's probably the lowest it's going to go, and that's just from winter precipitation. Um, it was uh, almost to 16% uh, in the fall at the low point of the year. Wow. So we Did expect you- it to go deeper than that, even higher percent-wise this summer. And- can, you
5: com- can, can you compare that historically, like 50 years ago?
3: Yeah, there... so, so the lake uh, right now is, uh, I just pulled this up, uh, USGS has a great website with the daily lake level. The lake level is 4,191 today. It hit a low of 4,190.3, that's feet of elevation, um, in the fall. Uh, this is about as high as it's going to go. Wow. We'd, like, we'd like to see it at around 4,200. Um and basically, when it's at um, when it is at its average level of 4,200 feet, uh, the south arm would be around 11% salinity, which is a really healthy place for those photosynthetic organisms. Um, I spent the last couple of years on a salinity advisory council uh, working for the state of Utah. And we looked through all these papers and all the organisms that live in the lake, and thought about all the research and salinity tolerance. And we came up with this really elaborate matrix that essentially says when is it each species threatened, and that the tipping point for this lake is about sixteen percent salinity.
5: And remind us what you just said. The north was already double about that.
3: Thirty percent. Wow. Um, so when it gets above sixteen percent. Which we're probably going to reach this summer. Um, these microbes aren't going to do well. The brine shrimp aren't going to do well. The brine fly larvae aren't going to do well. The birds, you know, birds are- they're going to either collapse or move, right? Um, so we we think that um, we're really close to a tipping point for this ecosystem.
2: Bonnie Baxter. To hear more, visit the Radioactive Archives under the Community tab at krcl.org. And plug into your community weeknights at 6 during Radioactive on KRCL. Downsizing your
1: car collection? Or simply tired of looking at that project car sitting in the back of your driveway in pieces? Either way, consider donating it to KRCL. And our friends at Cars, Inc. will take it from there. No hassles, no fees. You get a tax receipt and KRCL gets a donation. But best of all, the music you love never stops. Visit the support tab at krcl.org for more information and how to donate. Thanks, y'all.
0: We are wrapping up our show for the week, but not before tasting some pop culture nuggets. This week, March 7th through to the 11th, Salt Lake Community College and other schools across the valley are enjoying a much deserved spring break. Let's hear from this week's Voices Amplified team and what they have their eyes on this week in pop culture. Hey, Johnny and Sean, what's on your radar? Johnny, why don't you go first?
4: Yeah, so before we get too much into the pop culture, I would be remiss not to mention some new rules passed in the Utah legislature last week. They changed some of the rules in the House and Senate to make it a little more difficult for journalists to get access to those lawmakers and to do the work that the journalists do. And I know that's, that's the work that we do here in Voices Amplified is tangentially related to that. You know, the this is important work that these journalists are out there doing and that anything that limits that is, you know, potentially something that we should be concerned about. And just as student journalists, you know, this is something that I know that I'm very concerned about and I'm hopeful that, you know, we all as student journalists are worried about these sort of things.
0: Right. It is a concern anytime any journalist rights are uh, put on hold in any way.
4: Yeah. I
7: mean, the first amendment is one of the most important pieces of uh, documentation in this country's history. So Mm -hmm. anytime that is, you know, threatened or infringed
4: upon, it's very concerning.
0: Right. And uh, Johnny, do you have any plans for spring break?
4: You know, my my spring break plans are kind of boring and you know, I'm going to be catching up on some homework, but me and my wife are also going to be taking a quick weekend getaway down to St. George to enjoy some sunny weather, so I'm very much looking forward to that.
0: Nice. Do you know how warm it'll be?
4: I am not sure how warm it is be, but I am sure that it will be warmer than it is here in Salt Lake.
0: For sure. <laughs> and uh Sean, what about you? This weekend pop culture, what do you have your eye on?
7: Well, a bit of sad news, uh MLB, Major League Baseball, they have decided to delay their 2022 season because the association, uh, the Players Association, voted to not accept MLB's proposal on a new collective bargaining agreement. So that's pretty sad. Uh, The -hmm. first two series of season have been uh, canceled. And it's the first time since 1995 that games have been lost due to a labor dispute. So I'm super bummed about that. And... Yeah, hopefully it starts soon, but negotiations are still ongoing,
0: which Mm -hmm. is unfortunate. Yeah. And what do you have planned for spring break?
7: Well, I'm going to go down to Vegas and play some golf (laughs) uh, because the second start of the semester here at Slick, I am taking a golf class. So I'm super excited about that. So the weather is not conducive up here yet. So I'm going to go down south a little bit.
0: Oh, I didn't even know that you could take a golf class.
7: Yeah, it's pretty exciting. It's only one credit, which I don't care about, but I get to play golf (laughs) with people. So I'm pretty excited.
0: Nice.
4: I know, you know, me and Sean are talking about our awesome spring break plans, but Amy, what have you got going on for spring break? You're going to party it up? (laughs) Yeah, what's going on, Amy?
0: (laughs) Well, I um, was sick recently, so I'm going to make up time at work and I look forward to actually reading. I love to read. I have a huge collection of books. I've got like four bookshelves in my room, so I'm probably going to maybe get through one, if not two books. Um, I just picked up the biography or the autobiography of Gandhi. So that'll be interesting for spring break. <laughs> Hopefully I can get through it. I would love to, to pick up another book.
7: That, well, that sounds, sounds super exciting. <laughs> I am so happy for you. that You're going to read.
0: <laughs> it's a, it's a great movie too, with Ben Kingsley. Anyone interested, anyone on my level who loves to read and is interested in that aspect of history, I recommend it. All right. That's it for pop culture nuggets. A big thank you to my team boss mates. And you've been listening to the Voices Amplify takeover of Radioactive in partnership with Amplify Utah and Salt Lake Community College right here on KRCL. Special thank you to executive producer Laura Jones of Radioactive for passing the mic and giving the next wave of journalists a platform to share and connect with the beloved Salt Lake community. In the words of Brene Brown, vulnerability is not winning or losing. It's having the courage to show up and be seen when we have no control over the outcome. Vulnerability is not weakness. It's our greatest measure of courage. Much thanks to tonight's guests for getting vulnerable with us and sharing your personal stories. I'm Amy Kramer, your host with Voices Amplified, brought to you by Salt Lake Community College in partnership with KRCL. Thank you to Marcy Young Cancio and Amplify Utah for their continued support of diverse storytellers. And a shout out to tonight's team for making this all possible. Lead producer, Sean Stetson, associate producer, Ariel Witterberg, booking producer Valine Parachevich, and digital producer Johnny Tolstrip. Thank you for joining us on Radioactive every Monday night at six, right here on KRCL 90.9. And it looks like we have some time, so let's get Professor Merkel's song on for you to tie things up nicely. This is Meet Me at Our Spot by The Anxiety on KRCL 90.9.